Hey, welcome to the Creative Block, hosted by Gene, that's me, and V. That's me. This is a show where we interview animation industry uh, people, uh, our friends, and uh, whoever else is willing to come on the show. And just kind of getting people's life stories, kind of figuring out how they got into animation, because there's a lot of interesting uh, stories out there, a lot of different paths, and I think there's probably people who would love to hear it. Today, I will be your host, and we are interviewing V. V, tell us about yourself. Hello. My name is V. My full name is, it's Violen, and the last name is Bria. Briat, like the Americans say. Briat. Briat. I'm French. That's a fact about me. Yeah, I, I moved out here to, in the U.S. Uh, back in 2016. For the second time, because I first moved out here when I was 13, and that was, oh my god, my math is bad, but it was probably around 2004, I think. Yeah, you went uh, to high school here, right? I went to, yeah, I, uh, I, I went to middle, a little bit middle school and a little bit mm. high school. Okay. Um, and so I actually, I actually was out here when I in eighth grade eighth is still middle school right yeah yeah i think it depends on the, like the school district but yeah and i and i moved back to france when i was 16, uh, 16 and that was around like uh 11th no yes 11th grade so is that sophomore no wait junior in oh, high school i like that and then i graduated i graduated from high school in france attended college in France. I started my career in France. After that, I went to Japan for a year. And that's when I started getting interest from the American studios. I think because I was able to do a lot more personal art, because since I was freelancing, I had all this, I could do whatever I wanted with my schedule, which was the best. I think that's kind of how I got noticed by the Loud House. I took the test and I, actually the story is, is crazier than that, but we can go more into details about it later. Yeah, well, that's how we originally met, is uh, I was doing background design on, on Loud House, and you were boards, but you were, we mentioned it in the first episode, I think, but you were like this mysterious French girl who was doing boards from overseas yeah. in Tokyo, <laughs> which was pretty crazy that you were, you, I mean, we'll get to that too, but yeah, the fact that you just like casually lived in Tokyo for a year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, it was just this thing where I was just like, I heard of this working visa, and you're, you can only get it until you're 30? At the time, I was like 24, oh, wow. and I was, just, I was just thinking to myself, well, well, if I don't do it right now, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be 30, and I won't have ever gone to Japan. So I was like, I've got to do it right now. <laughs> now or never. YOLO. I, I'm kind of... I had no idea. I didn't know that that was how you uh, ended up there. Um, but yeah, we're jumping around a little bit. Uh, tell me, also, this episode uh, is a little weird because we started recording it, and then it all fell apart. The but way. ain't that just the way <laughs> isn't that just how all podcasts isn't that are? just how life is whoopsie oh shit so uh let's take it back rewind tell me sort of what got you inspired to draw to get into animation when you were a kid what was your kind of my inciting, inciting incident, incident. 
So as I was kind of saying earlier, like for me, drawing is something that I've always done. I've, I've always been drawing, I think, because probably it was like the best thing to kind of keep me quiet as a kid. I don't know. They kind of like, I don't know how it happened like the first time I drew anything, but like, it feels like I, when I had like a pencil or like yeah. a crayon in my ha- in my hand uh, and like a piece of paper, like I would probably like leave my parents alone or whatever. So it was something that I got in the habit of doing. I also just kind of like coming up with stories and just kind of come up with like imaginary just uh, settings and characters. Uh, like I never really drew, sorry, mom and dad, but I, I don't really remember drawing my parents or my family or myself. I just drew random people and character and, and animals. And, um, and, and it was kind of something I was thinking about recently is like as a little kid, I wasn't really interested in playing like the typical games, like uh, playing with dolls or like Barbie dolls or like the typical like games that are assigned to kids. I, like all I wanted to do was create stories. Yeah. So I liked role playing a lot. And like when I had Barbie dolls or, or even uh, or dolls, like my what I wanted to, to do was like recreate adventures. Like adventures was like really my thing. So like I would use them for, it would go on quests or stuff. <laughs> <laughs> even like my like I don't know I, I I don't know with my sister we would play this game with like the Barbie dolls where like the Ken would like kidnap them and would want to like smooch them and like our Barbies would like come and kick in doors and be like get your hands off of her yep that was uh, what You're I did flexing your imagination yep. and also like in class it was just like um in class it was just I th- like I was lucky that we had this teacher who whenever you were done with your assignment she had this extra little sketchbook with blank pages which for me was it felt like a little treasure because like at home we were only supposed to draw on paper that was printed on one side so to have like a little book with blank paper on both sides it was crazy it felt like like precious time so after i yeah and so I would, I would, I actually went through a lot of those uh, when I was in, in elementary school, I would just draw in those. Cause I, I was going to sound like a weird flex, but like, I would be done with assignments pretty early. <laughs> like early. <laughs> wow. Just <laughs> bragging about you. I know. Assignments. Yeah. Anyway, well, at least I was quiet. Well, Cause I was drawing. So anyway, as a kid, I was like, I want to be a drawer. Cause that sure. makes sense. At which point did you kind of feel like you could actually make a career out I of it. I think first I kind of thought I was going to go into picture books for kids because I was like because I was reading a lot of those mm-hmm. and then I kind of heard like no it's too difficult you can't do that so then I was like I started reading comics and I was like those are great I can I can probably make a career out of making comics and then I went to those like conventions and met comic artists and they were like this is too difficult you can't do that you're not going to make any money and then I was like Welp. And then I started reading manga and I was like, well, this sounds easier. I can just learn Japanese and move to Japan and draw manga. Like so much easier, right? So much easier. And then I realized, okay. And my parents were like, all right, all right. Yeah. You know what you can do? You can just like get a regular job, like teaching or something. And then you can just draw on the side. And I actually considered that for a while. Like I was like, oh, maybe I should like, I don't know, go into psychology or whatever the heck. But it was not until like when I was in the US, I was just drawing in class like usual. And this girl saw my drawing and she was like wow you should work in cartoons and I was like is that even a thing because you know look at the time I thought like I I know this is so silly but at the time I thought like in the cartoon factory they would just press buttons and then the cartoon would come out of 
that that was how it was That's not how it is this, that was how it was in my brain and then when this girl was like oh wow this looks like a cartoon character you could work in cartoons i was like ah people work like this is an actual job yeah yeah i think a lot of people still think that unfortunately i know well it took me a long time <laughs> and then and then it's funny that you mentioned new grounds in the first episode because i yeah yeah I actually was uh, talking with a friend of mine on Messenger because French people used Messenger and American people used uh, a a AIM. And he would make those super like low def kind of crude animations. Uh, and I was like, wow, what, you can do that with the computer? And then I, for some reason I ended up going onto uh, Newgrounds and I was like, oh, these kids are, are making cartoons with just a computer? Like what's stopping me from making me cartoons just like them? And uh, I didn't make a whole lot mm -hmm. of cartoons for Newgrounds. I, I made a few. One got front page, but I deleted it because I... <laughs> I can't, I can't. It's like, what? It's, no, I, I do not. I'm too embarrassed. Uh, and it's gone in the ether. It's, nobody will ever, yeah, it's gone. Damn. It's, it's gone forever. Well, that's a bummer. But uh, I did, yeah, I spent a lot of time on it, like, like at least two months. Do you usually like purge the stuff that, like your older work from the internet? Or is that just one example of you like not wanting to have something online? Because I feel like a lot of artists seem to want to like bury their past and uh, I've never really felt that way, so I'm curious. I, 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 I do try to do that, uh, mostly because I'm very embarrassed by my old work. Uh, just the style and also the themes. I don't know, you know, and you know, like, you know, one day I'm going to get canceled. Someone's going to be able to like just un like dig out something and they're going to be like, look at what she wrote. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I was 14. I think it's like, yeah. It's a part of life, I think. It's like you you die someday exactly. and you get canceled someday. That's just yeah. The cycle. I'm just waiting for the day. <laughs> so yeah, so like, give me the timeline. So like, you um you finished high school and um did you go straight to Goblin or did you kind of do something else before? Um. So before I went to Goblin, I um so because in France uh, the public art schools have entrance exams because obviously since they're public they're um the it, they're the tuition cost is not that crazy well but that was 10 years ago things have changed now the tuition cost is a little bit more it's still less than in the u.s but at the time when i was mm -hmm. applying tuition was pretty fair like when when i attended it was a uh, 4k a year which is not that bad oh wow it's not bad no that's not bad at all and it was only three years so <sighs> math it's 12 grand for, for Goblin. And um, so a lot of people want to get in. And like the, the, when I tried to make it into these two, I tried twice to get into Goblin. The first time I failed and the other schools that I tried to get into, I also failed because there's a lot of people applying. So yeah. the entrance exam is like you, you have like between 400 up to sometimes 800 people in the same room in the same big room and it, it's dude it's so much like naruto you know when they take that exam it is dude it is exactly <laughs> the same yeah I know. are you encouraged to cheat too you have to find clever ways to cheat <laughs> i wish we were encouraged to cheat but you can't really cheat those because it's just like skill because like one part of, at the time right. one part of the exam was like you have to draw they give you model sheet and it could be whichever character let's pretend it's like i don't know robin hood from disney movie uh and then you have to draw them running and jumping and then like in perspective and um and then you have a couple hours to do this one so that's when wow. big part of the entrance 
you have a uh, multiple choice tests, which is kind of to test your like culture, kind of like, do you read books and know things? I don't know how well I did on this. I right. hope I never find out my results because that's so crazy. Yeah, that's such a you have another part to test, which is like storyboard. So they give you like a short story and you have to storyboard it in like three hours. Wow. You have another thing which is like yeah, perspective drawing. So it's just like uh, just like draw these things in perspective like a cube or like a house or sometimes there's like there's some tricky ones it's like it's a mirror in perspective and it's like oh my god like are you joke like for real right now like I'm supposed to do all this brain work but I guess but it's kind of fun it's kind of fun like it's kind of I mean it's really scary but it's also kind of exciting to be taking this like crazy yeah yeah entrance exam and you have everyone and everyone's anxious and like there's this lunch break and the only thing that's next to the sure. like entrance like exam room is like this dinky like mcdonald's and everyone's just going to the mcdonald's the, the line <laughs> is going on forever because because there's like 800 people <laughs> that need food yeah that doesn't seem very well thought out no it's not but hey that's france for you know it's dunked on um Cool. Okay. And so, yeah, I did like, I did one year, I did one year of a preparation art school because I, because I had to get in, right? Like, so I had to, to, to like pass the test. So since the first time I failed it, I went one year into right. this preparation art school, which is like for one year, you, you really do a lot of life drawing, a lot of uh, a still life, a lot of uh, perspective drawing. You go out you, in and sketch like the city or like train stations or whatever the teacher would like take us out to like draw. You also, we had art history classes, classes they called volume, which was a waste of time, but um, just a bunch of like, uh, they had like creative drawing classes, which were really geared more towards fine art. Uh, Cause that preparation art school that I went to, they really did not like Gobelin at the time. That was 10 years ago. At the time they were like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna draw like Mickey Mouse really as a career? I know they were like dunking on animation so hard and, and cause they all wanted us to get into uh, the fine art school. Um, or there was another school uh, that was kind of like in between kind of, uh, uh, in between fine art and like craftsmanship. So they wanted us to get in there. And so they didn't really want us to go to Gobelin, but uh, I went in anyway. Yeah, that's fascinating to me that like animation has this, I guess even in France, that it uh, has this sort of connotation of being like low. Yeah, it's not, it's like a low art. Cause it, and, and like how much of an influence has it had on everything, you know? So it's like, I, I just don't, I don't understand. I don't know why. But it does seem like comics kind of rule supreme in France because a lot of artists that graduate Goblin. They, yeah, the thing with comics in France and, and also like, go, like going to a school like Goblin and, and then like going into the animation industry, I was actually talking about that with a couple friends of mine, is that there's a big gap between the school's expectations of you and the work the actual industry's expectation of you. Because when you're in school like Goblin or, or any of the other art school, they prep you to be an artist, like an auteur. Like they want you to think about stuff, to like go to museums, read philosophy, like just like really cultivate that auteur brain of yours. And then, so you, you kind of like, in school, you're, you're kind of expected to be this like, I'm not intellectual, but like, you know, have like an opinion 
a point of view and, and all these things. And then when you, you get to work in the animation industry in France, it's like, you're just a craftsman, which is also great. Like I, I, I really, I really like the craft of animation, but there's like a big gap between yeah. the expectation of the school and the expectation of the industry, which can be uh, confusing, I think, as, as an art kid who's just graduated. Cause you're like, hold on. <laughs> Like I, I thought I was supposed to hate on uh, anime and manga all, and all the like and, and entertainment as, as a whole because usually yeah. entertainment, especially and I don't want to dunk on friends too much because I also love my country, but there is a little bit of shit. Yeah, but like <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear you talk shit. We don't really hold in high esteem entertainment. That's bizarre. It seems like so much of it comes out of France. The, of entertainment? Yeah, I mean, not even just animation. I mean, how much, like, yeah, like, I mean, comics has so many deep roots in France and like movies, like so much film comes out. Yeah, of but like France. movies are, when you think about movies, you have to think about the French Nouvelle Vague, so the new wave, and it was like super auteur, super intellectual, oh. and a lot of comics in France have this ambition of being like you're a writer like someone like you have a thesis an opinion and you're like and and i think that's great i i love those comics the only thing that i think is a little it's not like sad but that I, i'm missing is that i wish there were more of a balance i think it's okay to praise entertainment as well because i feel like for me my point of view right now with france is that there's a really good like a gold mine in in auteurs in, in artistry in like point of view on intellectual themes there's there's not a whole lot being done with entertainment value and when i'm talking entertainment is just like something that you can just easily tune into have fun with and just like um turn off like the, the for me the point of entertainment is to have people have a good time and 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 maybe they learn something maybe they yeah. don't but the the main point is having a good time Whereas like an, like a book or like an, a tour type of work, like the main focus of that book is for your audience or your reader to, to kind of like ask themselves question or uh, think a little bit. So the, the goal for both are, is a little bit different. I guess so. I, I don't see, to me, the distinction, like ideally something doesn't have to be just entertaining or just thought provoking or whatever, you know? So it's like a lot of the stuff that I grew up with that made me like think critically or just kind of like analyze my own emotions. Like it was probably schlock. Like a lot of stuff that you grow up with as a kid is schlocky because it's just like, it's meant for kids. But like the stuff that really sticks with you had something to say yeah. while being entertaining. And so I, but I don't know. Granted, this is my, like, this is my career and it's my passion. And so like, obviously I'm going to get up on a pedestal about it, but I, I get annoyed when people treat entertainment as it's as if it's not important or that it's like looked down on or something because we see it, especially now, like in month seven of quarantine. People need it. People need entertainment. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. yeah. And holy shit, people need it. And it's like, and animation specifically yep. is the only industry mm -hmm. that's still going. So it's like for all the people who look down on it, especially live action and just sort of treat it as like this thing that's just for kids. It's like, Hey, I don't know, man, we're all still employed, thankfully. And like, and things are moving and it's because we're able to do this from home, essentially, you know, going forward, I hope there's a little bit more respect for animation. I don't expect there will be. And I agree with that because honestly, when I first came out to the U S it was very refreshing for me to finally see people caring about cartoons 
I guess it's like the pendulum is like there's two extremes like in France is the extreme where it's just like only smart stuff like I'm this is a caricature it's not all like that but uh but then here it's like right, people no, are really putting entertainment not on the pedestal but they're they're like it's really it's really important here like like people take it seriously and and that's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, too much. Too much. Too, so. Also too much. <laughs> when you look at animation Twitter, sometimes it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, everything should have a balance. And um, yeah, it's like to, to, to counter everything I just said, people also need to chill the fuck out sometimes. Like, I think that it's, it's important to value things, you know, animation and entertainment. And I, I will die on that hill that it's like you. Right. These things are important to people, but I think the line gets crossed when people become so attached to it that it becomes their whole identity and they start like bullying others for not agreeing with their opinion. And it just, it gets to be so possessive. And that's, that seems to be a problem mostly with Western animation audiences. Mm -hmm. Maybe it happened. I don't know. Maybe it happens in the East too. I just, we don't see it. Yeah, man. It's it, animation Twitter gets really gross, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's just interesting to me that, even in France, where from my American point of view, I always figured it was way more like um, respectful of all of that and seeing how many talented artists come out of Goblin and like, I guess it's not, I guess it's just, you know. I feel like honestly, the thing in France that's kind of missing uh, compared to the American animation industry is that, you know, if, if you get to the root of the problem, it's money. Like there's no money in France. Right. So we're kind of stuck repeat, rebooting the same franchise that were successful in like the 80s or the 60s even, because it's unfortunately as a producer, I don't think you can afford to take risks. So your best bet to sell a product is going to be to sell a big brand. And also because it's probably extremely unlikely for you as a producer, as a French producer, to be able to produce your uh, cartoon by yourself. So you're going to have to do co-productions and right. co-productions only within France are not going to be enough. You can get like a government grants and like help. But it's not going to be enough. So you're going to have to partner up probably with Germany. France loves Germany. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you're probably going to have to partner up with the UK. Yeah. You're probably going to partner up with the Italy. Those are usually kind of like the, the main. Sometimes if you're lucky, you, you partner up with Canada and, and that's the grail because I think Canada has like more money or like distribution power. It's closer to the US. Interesting. So that's how you end up with uh, movies where it, there's like yes. five different countries involved just because it... It really is just a matter of like budget distribution and like it really is and then and, and then that gets tricky because everybody when they get to produce they get to give their opinion and you you end up having sometimes like a culture clash like uh like what some people like what some french people think is funny maybe like german people don't think it's funny or like like a joke that is going to be okay with french people it's going to be really offensive to someone in britain and then there's also productions where it ha it did happen i heard that that like you might get probably like Canada, like the, the branch of, I don't know, like I'm just going to throw in anonymous name, but like Studio Y in Canada wants to show that they're a better studio than uh, Studio X in the UK. And, and who's going to have the better SNPs and who's going to be like the, the more children appropriate. And you have sometimes these like ego battles that are just to show each other that they know how to do their job better and then you're kind of there like at the end of the of the 
line being like, okay, um, this is all great and everything, but we're just still trying to make this cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's the case anywhere. That's just yeah. the nature of the beast, I guess. That is the problem with kind of trying to get anything made is you're going to need a budget. You're going to need money, but let's talk about, I, just looking at your art, looking at everything you've done, you clearly have a lot of things you kind of take influence from and stuff that you pull from, but none of it's like very clear, which is great. Like, I think that- That's great to know. Yeah, no, I think that that's something that is good to aspire to and you nail it, which is that like, we're all paying homage to the things we grew up with, the movies or the TV shows, just like whatever. But yeah, I'd love to know what those things are for you. Like if there's any specific anime or if there's specific comic. I feel like for me growing up, like if I think about all the influences that I had as a kid, I was obsessed with manga. But before I was obsessed with manga, because that was probably when I was around 10 or 11, I read comics. I started reading comics around six. Uh, so I read a lot of like uh, French, Belgian comics. Uh, so the art style is very, um, I think French Belgian comics, something that's kind of like specific about them is that they're cartoony in their proportions, but they're very like solid in terms of the volumes. So there's like kind of like this draftsmanship. So I guess I was like really receptive to that. I, I read just so much stuff. I loved Garfield too when I was looking. I, I dude, I loved Garfield. I, <laughs> his drawings are so appealing. Like, right. like maybe not now anymore, but like I, when I was a little kid, I was like, mm, like for me, those were yeah. super appealing, and I thought it was hilarious. Agreed to disagree. But like really, I think for me, like kind of like kind of really like what I the 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 very first IPs or like art that I really fell in love with. Also, when I was really young, I I, re I read a bunch of comic like uh, the Inca by oh, yeah. Mobius. Yeah, so yeah. I read a lot of like also those like adult comics that are like. Not adult because there's sex, but like adult because there's like uh, like philosophy or like ethics and morals and yeah, it doesn't have to have boobs for it to be adult. exactly. No, I'm saying like I'm just saying I'm just saying because like you know yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah. But like I read a lot of a lot of those that were also like um, Scoyton and uh, what's his name, the other one. Like there were like two architects that were drawing comics that are super beautiful, extremely intricate. And kind of like in that vibe of comics, like the I guess the American equivalent could be Dan Klaus a little bit in terms of like the in, like the intricacy of the style. But anyway, really, I'm just gonna like really wheel it back in as like my number one was uh I like the trio of Shonen Jump. Like let's face it, oh, like, sure. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. so into my trio was like Naruto, One Piece. Shaman King. I loved Shaman King. Shaman King was yeah. Shaman King is great. It's the bomb. I and did you know that they just finally released it all back onto Comixology? Like now you can finally read it again. Yeah, because I've been I've been uh, loving the Shonen Jump app. Like I've been tearing through uh, right. a lot. Of, like I read through reread through all of Dragon Ball, and I uh, have been reading One Piece. I'm almost caught up on One Piece, which is a, a feat. I think I I think I'm gonna give up. I love One Piece so much, but I it's, it's there's just too much. I can't commit anymore. Okay, this is this is a side tangent, but I want to talk about this somewhere. Okay. I I read through all. I'm I'm pretty much caught up. I have like ten chapters left, and it is incredibly long, and it doesn't have to be. Like there there are huge swaths of plot that could have been cut or trimmed, and like especially this last arc, Wayno. I don't know when did you drop off. I dropped off. Uh, uh, sorry, everyone. There's gonna be spoilers, but I guess they're really old spoilers, so it's fine. Um, you, 
you know it's like the, the big the big with a um, white beard oh the war of the best or whatever yeah like that's kind of where it dropped off like the that's and not a spoiler after after like the shippuden of the uh, one piece when the time skip yeah 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 they all like get super strong like i i was like that's cool and then i was just like i'm done <laughs> Hey, I mean, yeah, that I there's a slump there when they go to Fishman Island. Like it kind of oh, got it. Yeah, this that's the problem though. Is like I think the everything before the time skip is pretty solid. I I didn't like Skypea at all, but everything else is pretty solid. But I think after the time skip, there's a lot of bloat, and every arc starts to feel really repetitive. Where it's like, right. here we are. This is an island. There's a bad guy. There's a princess. There's like, she's the most beautiful woman in all the land. And then there's this guy and there's a devil proof fire. And then he has like a whole team of people that you're going to have to learn about, even though they're not important. And it's like, right. It just, it gets to be too much. And Wayno was really, really bad about that where they introduced so much stuff up front. And so far, very little of it has actually mattered. Cause at the end of like, now it's some kind of moving towards a climax and it is, it, it's like, the characters who you figured would be important and that's the straw hats and everyone else i don't even know why we spend so much time with them because they've already kind of fallen away anyway i feel like for me one piece was a huge influence mostly in terms of tone what i loved was there's just like some brutal like honesty with like the raw feelings of the characters and they're yes. just and luffy for me like that's the thing that i have kind of thought about recently like i've always wanted to be a shonen protagonist like I've, i love sailor moon she's great like but i, I would want to be friends with bunny like but i, I don't want to be bunny i want to be luffy because he's so optimistic and nothing ever brings him down i want to be naruto because naruto he works so hard and he will like he will like get beat up like all the time into the ground and he will still like stand up like that's like for me that's the kind of person that i want to be and i agree Yo is the best because he's not your typical from a shaman king. Yeah, he's not your typical shonen protagonist. Like Yo is great because all of them are oblivious. The three of them are oblivious, which I love because I'm like, it, like that's kind of like the, the crazy part of them, I guess. That like like any other person would just give up, but they don't, and that's and I I think that's super inspiring. And and Yo on top of that, he's got this like super like wise like beyond his years attitude of like yeah things are all right, things are going to be okay, like in a super chill way. I think, okay, my theory, and I'm pretty sure it's true, very Buddhist. is that Yo is a stoner, but like weed is super illegal yeah. in Japan. <laughs> it's super illegal, so it's like, he could never say it, but I'm like, he's such a stoner, and I'm like... Yeah, Yo's a stoner, Yo smokes weed. I'm like so into that, like a stoner protagonist, that's like, yes, please. In yeah. You know, like, his whole goal is like I want to become the shaman king so that I never have to do anything again I know and he's Taurus like me I'm like I love him so much I, I really yeah that's shaman king's great oh yeah so I was saying like yeah I I was reading the app and I I was bummed that the shaman king wasn't shonen jump but I guess there was some it, it was and... it was shonen jump but it's just like there was like a big a deal like they couldn't agree the publishing companies between uh, the the between the Japanese shonen jump and like American shonen jump I don't know what happened but like there was like a deal that fell through and then no one could publish it in the U.S. for years. Yeah, I'm glad that it's uh, that it exists somewhere because I do want to reread it. So that's good. I didn't know that it was on Comicsology. Dude, I'm so uh, happy you're gonna read it again because I'm like I'm gonna read it again too. Like I started reading it again. It's so good. They're making that new anime too, which is cool. So. Uh, yeah, keep going. I so I was like inspired it. by all those. Like what I really love the manga. I didn't really watch anime. I mostly read manga. 
So I really love the art style of Naruto, One Piece, and Shaman King because they all have like a very strong identity in terms of drawings. Like Naruto, he's kind of like Otomo. Uh, he was inspired by Otomo. Mm -hmm. Kishimoto was really inspired by Otomo, uh, which I also love. <laughs> Uh, and then Oda and um, I forgot his name. What are you trying to think the, of? Uh, the Shaman King guy. I forgot his name. I don't remember either. Shit. Uh, they both worked under the same mangaka who was like a gag mangaka. So they, that's, huh. that's why they have like a similar kind of like a little bit more cartoony like slash a little bit more like video gamey kind of drawing style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I really miss. Like that was my favorite. Uh, kind of like Dragon Ball. Like I love ooh, Dragon Ball. I loved it as a kid, but I really came back to it later when I was probably like 25. Like I, yeah. I realized how good his drawings were. It's really good. When I, yeah, it's he's he's really amazing. Yeah, I grew up with Dragon Ball Z, and like that was my, you know, the, yeah. When you're a kid and you're watching Ball Z, you're just like, wow, punching. Right. But uh, and and it's just like schlock and it's it's silly. But I once that app came out, actually, I think before that, yeah, there was. Uh, there was a moment where I read through all of Dragon Ball and then through all of Dragon Ball Z and I even went into Dragon Ball Super. And like, I mean, it gets worse. Like it gets worse and worse. <laughs> but the original run of Dragon Ball is awesome. And I think that like it ends perfectly because there's like actual stakes and like it feels like a climax and it ends on like, you know, it, it feels like it ends. But then Dragon Ball Z, it's kind of its own thing and everyone knows that. Right. Uh, but it takes, it starts to really like drag and... Yeah, Dragon Ball is the best part. Like, I feel like even Dragon Ball Z, you could argue that it's still good, but for me, it's I'm just all about Dragon Ball. I'm yeah, I agree, and I, I think yeah. all the best stuff that he does is all very like charming and has a sense of humor about itself. And like, exactly. like I love Koa. I don't know if you've read Koa. Uh, I still have to read it. I haven't read it. Koa's great. That's like one of my favorite um, uh, standalone like graphic novel i guess especially definitely manga but maybe of all time because i've reread it a lot and like sandland's really good sandland has a nice mix of like i like sandland a lot yeah it's a nice mix of charm and action but uh yeah there's definitely a lot of toriyama in, in your work also a thing that i struggle with a lot in terms of like my influences is that i did a lot of life drawing like even as i started even as i started as an as a professional artist i was lucky enough that like studios that i worked at offered there was a studio i worked at i did really like the show I was on but the crew was so great everyone was super nice and there was this uh, showrunner and another show at that studio who was always organizing weekly these live drawing sessions that were so cheap because we were just paying the model directly and the models that he knew they were all these like amazing either like dancers or like uh, sometimes people from the circus or like sometimes they're professional models. It was just so great because we only did poses for up to five minutes. So for two oh, hours, we would draw these models from one to five minutes tops. And it really got me to a, a level of like draftsmanship that I, made me feel comfortable drawing fast. Because before that, I was like, I can, I, I can, I can sort of draw. I can manage this thing. But after I did this for a year, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I got this. Like, it made me feel more confident. And I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. But the thing too is that like my drawing got has also like this realistic-ish 
quality to it, I guess. And also... There's a life to it, yeah. Since I really like also a lot of um, seinen manga, I, I sure. love, like, I Am a Hero. It's one of my favorite. I love hmm. Real by Inoue. Inoue is one of my favorite, all-time favorite artists. He's very yeah, realistic yeah. in terms of style. I can and see I, that. I love, uh, I mean, it's funny because I always think about manga. I, I don't know. I love, I, I love manga because for me, it's kind of like the best mix of entertainment and authorship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I think it's just so good. Like uh, Urasawa also is really good. The 20th Century Boys. I love the way he draws. He's oh, amazing. Man, I gotta, yeah, that's been on my list. For, I think after I finish One Piece, I'm going to uh, go through that because I, I keep hearing about it. It's beautifully drawn. It keeps you like really hooked from the beginning till the end. And the characters are, all the characters are amazing. I don't know. It's such a, it's, it's such a good uh, manga. That's on my list. I don't remember if we ever talked about it, but have you read uh, any of Inyo Asano's stuff like Goodnight Poon Poon? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love Poon Poon. Poon Poon. I, I read it kind of recently. Oh, I, 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 yeah, we did talk about it because we were both depressed after <laughs> we read it. Right. And, and we, I tweeted about it. I, I was, yeah. okay, anyone who's listening to this, content warning, uh, Poon Poon is definitely not for uh, anyone under 18. Uh, it's yeah. extremely dark. It goes really, really, really dark. I think it's probably one of the darkest things that I've read. Yeah, it's up there. But uh, the art is beautiful. It's an amazing story for me. I, I, I think I needed to read that because it. Totally. I, I felt understood yeah 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 you know it's it, it deals with the main protagonist that has depression and deals with a bunch of toxic relationships all his relationships are toxic yeah and he kind of it like takes a toll on him like it, it warps the way that he is and like really messes with how he handles relationships yeah it i think that it like the first time i read it it didn't quite click like i liked it but it didn't uh, yeah i don't know i just i didn't fully get it and then i reread it when i was just feeling really down and it like it was nice to see somebody else going through the same kind of emotions and like right. there's some parts in there that yeah it's brutal it's brutal and if you're already like if you can't if you don't think you'll be able to handle sort of the pitfalls like the depths that it goes into the the, the psyche then don't read it but uh, for me it was what i needed to like be like okay i'm feeling the same things and it was very cathartic to just kind of like yeah uh, let myself feel that stuff i think I wonder, because I kind of bullied one of my friends into reading it recently, <laughs> yeah. and she couldn't find volume five. It, it ran out of print. Maybe. Yeah, I think that'd be weird if people were only getting one volume because of something that happens. But, but yeah, it's, um, it's dark, but it's great. But all, all of Vinny Osano's stuff is like that. It's all very like, it, yeah, it probes the human psyche and, uh, and God, the art is like, awesome yeah. like it's just he does a lot of photo referencing and i think straight up just like posterizing of photos uh, you can see him work on uh there's a youtube series manban yeah you can see him work yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's great uh i was like okay that makes me feel better you don't you you do take pictures you do have something to help you out with this because i was like this art is insane <laughs> yes yeah it's that i love it's funny because i always feel i don't know if uh you're the same way but like, I, I don't like showing my process because I feel like it shows, it's like, it would show just how much I use shortcuts and like reuse stuff, but I like to see that. So it's like, I probably shouldn't have that shame because I think everyone just wants the validation of like, oh, it's okay to like not 
you know, it's, it's okay to take shortcuts. It's okay to like find easier ways of doing things. I agree with that so much. I just like can't get over that hurdle. But you post a lot of like rough work too, which I don't. I do because I don't, I'm, I'm so lazy, Jean. I'm a lazy artist. <laughs> I'm just like, this is good enough to post. And you are the furthest thing from lazy that I can, uh, you have done a webcomic like consistently for the past like two years, I think you're, you've always, you're always making something, which is insane. But, but I think that that's, no, I was going to say like, uh, about the, I don't know if you want to get back onto a more like a streamlined version of um, the interview, but I was going to say for me, one of the ways that I can kind of fill in the gap of like the expectation of you as an artist at school versus the expectation of you as a craftsman in the industry is by making stuff for myself in my free time, because that's where I can get back in touch with my, the auteur side of myself. Like if I write, if I, if, if I draw from A to B a story and I feel like I'm honing in my craft and I'm putting my personal point of view and myself in my work when sometimes it depends on the show uh when sometimes uh in the show that I'm working on I I don't have as much freedom then I I need to compensate for that during my free time on my personal work sure yeah 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 and I was saying that that's why I uh that's why I draw a lot because if I don't, then I, I, sometimes I get really sad. Well, I think that's what it takes. It's like, if it means enough to you to always be drawing, then you're probably going to be successful at what you do. Cause it's like, that's, it's a part of your, it's part of your happiness to, to do that. Yeah. I I've known people in my life who like wanted to either make a career out of art or, or whatever, but they just like, they, clearly they didn't want it that bad because they never drew anything. Right. So it's like, well, if you can't make it a part of your, your like, it's like breathing, like you should just want to do it. If it feels like a chore, then it, maybe it's not for you because, and I, and it's funny for, for me, like just as, as a tangent, like I don't really like drawing, like I want to tell stories, but I, and so I've been on this journey recently to try to figure out how to do that, like to make it easy for me to put out a story consistently. Right but without having to like sit in front of a desk and draw for hours a day. Cause I just, I get burnt out. I, I, but for, it seems like for you, it comes more naturally and it's almost like a release. I feel like there's like a little bit of both. It's like, there's definitely like the release part where it's like, yes, I need to do this because then I will feel happy. But also it's just kind of like working out, you know, you know, like before you work out, it's like, I don't want to do this. And once you start it, and you get kind of like that adrenaline or I don't know, like, is it the dopamine yes. or whichever neurotransmitter is serotonin? That's probably the one. It's kind of similar to that where like, like it happens to me. Like when I, before running, I'm like, ugh, I don't want to run. And I start running and I'm like listening to my bopping playlist and I'm like, bopping. this is great. And drawing is the same. Sometimes, well, sometimes I'm just like bored and I don't know what to do. So I'll just draw. Cause sometimes I'm like, I feel bad that I'm just like scrolling on Twitter and I'm like, what am I doing in my life? So I'm just like, I should rather just draw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there's times when I'm just like, I, I have this image or I have this feeling that I, I really want to draw it. And sometimes I also just kind of have like a, a theme or an idea and I want to make like multiple drawings over that theme or idea. And that gets me excited. And uh, kind of like the cringe tobers that I'm doing right now. Like I'm really excited about exploring mm -hmm. a new art style. Like having these prompts is a really good way for me 
to explore a new drawing style like I'm trying like new color palette new kind of like trying out a little bit more my um like realistic drawing and and see see if I like doing that or not and see if that would be like a good thing for me to have for comics I don't know yeah you're challenging yourself yeah I mean it takes I think anything worth doing is becomes a discipline after a while like if you're not constantly working at it then then like why are you doing it and also just like I was talking with a friend about that but I found I finally found a goal for myself which is sometimes it's kind of hard in art because you can feel like you're kind of aimless like you're like I'm drawing I'm, I love drawing but I, I don't see where I'm going with this and well one of the goals can be like to, to land a job in animation of course but like once you did land the job like what, what now, you know, like once you, you did get the storyboard job, once you did finally get the gig that you were dreaming off, like then what now, you know, like you're always kind of like climbing that mountain and you're like, what am I supposed to do? And then I, I realized, well, I want to tell stories. I want to draw comics. I feel like I'm more able to write and come up with stories. And kind of like you were saying earlier, I don't want to spend so much time drawing. So I was like, how can I draw? Right fast how can I draw in the way that I can still express what I'm feeling but that doesn't take up too much time and that's kind of when I was thinking of Miyazaki because okay that sounds like really <laughs> weird flex but okay uh I I'm I see his comics and I see how he draws and he's just so fast just a little bit of color and then there's like a rough quality to it he's drawn so much that he can afford to just draw that fast right but the drawings are, are kind of loose and they're just the right amount. Like if you really look at them, they're just the right amount of information. There's nothing that's not necessary. Every single color, every single line is where it should be. And that's always just enough to, to get out of it. So that's kind of my goal is to get to that point of like raw efficiency, you know? Yeah. Well, you're, you're getting there. It's like an energy, I think, to, um, to your comics and everything you do that it's like, yeah, I, I think that that comes with confidence too. It's like when you've done when you've drawn something enough times, you can figure out what is like unnecessary information. And I think most people kind of just skim over something they look at. It's almost like a like a human face. Like when we look at ourselves and we see all of the flaws, we see all the pimples and stuff. But like people are when they look at a face, they're probably only just seeing your like eyes and your right. mouth maybe. And I feel like a lot of art is the same way where they people look at it and they just kind of take it in and they don't notice all the flaws unless they really start to study it. Especially with social media because people are just scrolling so fast, they barely are going to spend more than 2 seconds looking at your yeah. picture. And so it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I'm very impressed with how you managed to constantly put stuff out like you don't you don't stop to overthink and you don't stop to like perfect something and I mean like I mean that in the nicest way possible because I think I see a lot of artists my, myself included is like struggling with the perfectionism and the like you freeze up before you end up doing anything but you just you just make stuff like you just make comics I think for for my part like that I used to be like I used to be like you but like to a degree that I wasn't drawing anymore like I was so scared of drawing I was so scared of trying anything because I was like if I even just lay a single line on paper it's going to be wrong it's going to be so terrible and yeah. also because when I was in Goblin something that I don't often talk about but being in Goblin was like really difficult for me because I was the small fish in the big pond like you know, like yeah. when you're in middle school or whatever, even in high school, there, nobody's drawing. So you're the big fish in, in the little pond. But like when I finally sure. started going to art school, I was like, oh, 
that's like, that's what people have been doing this whole time. And, and actually when I got in Gobelin, when I finally passed the, the entrance exam, people did say about me like, oh, she shouldn't have gotten in. Like she's not good enough. And to some extent, like, like obviously like the part of me that was like uh, the self-defense mechanism was like, well, F all of you, like I'm a blah, blah, blah. Like I can do this, like I got in. But like, if you're being real, yeah, it's true. Like there, there were a lot of people out there who, who tried to get in and were much more talented artists than I was. And I don't really know how that happened. Probably, I don't know, maybe I uh, swooned <laughs> the, the interview because the way it goes is like, you, you do this like crazy, like Naruto entrance exam. And then yeah. you have like an interview with the team. I think they saw that I was really passionate about animation because I made all these like little flash animation for Newgrounds. I showed it to them. I can't believe I showed it to them. <laughs> well, yeah, you were passionate. That's what matters. I think that like to expect somebody going in to, I understand the need for entrance exams for, you know, a prestigious art school, but I also feel like if you're, if you're testing people on like how good they are already and not how good they're gonna be, then you could really hurt your like student body. I don't know. It's because I, I've, I feel like I've definitely known people who when they started college were really good, but then they didn't learn anything. Like they didn't try that hard. They just, you know, but somebody like who's coming in and they, they are eager to learn and get better. Like that probably goes further. Somebody like you who was just like excited to learn and get better. Well, for me, it was kind of tough though, because everyone had, like, I was, I was one of the youngest in the class. There was only one person who was younger than me. Uh, and everyone had been in art school for at least like uh, three years prior. So you had all these kids that were already ex extremely good draftsmen. And, and there was kind of, and in Goblin, there was at least at the time an environment, you're always kind of like gauging each other. You're always kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Like, what are you drawing? Like, kind of like, you know, kind of like, who's better? Kind of like, what's your power? Like, uh, like in Dragon Ball, like with the little laser, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're only level 53. Well. I'm 71. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I, I'm, I'm obviously this is a caricature. It wasn't exactly like that, but uh, and there was this amazing artist in my class who drove everybody crazy because, and he was, he was pretty much the best. I think for me, one of the best experiences looking back being in Goblin was to get to know him because mm. he was so amazing, so good at drawing, and he was drawing all the time, like all the time. There was mm -hmm. never a moment he wasn't drawing, and I was just like. And one day I was like, wow, you're working all the time. And he was like, working? Where are you talking about? I'm like, well, you're always drawing your sketchbook. He was like, oh, that's not work. And then I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, and it's true. Like when yeah. you were, when you were like looking at his sketchbook, he was just playing around. He was just trying so many shapes. He was just drawing things. You could see that the way he was drawing was just, just him trying out stuff, just trying to understand, trying to, the, the volume or just the shapes or like what's appealing to him. And yeah, he, he's a beast. And uh, you probably, maybe you follow him on uh, social media. Uh, he, his username is job. Uh, and I don't think I do, but that, yeah. Let me, I'll just write it out so people can like. Give him a shout out, yeah. Sure, and that's all. Job, he's so good. He's basically amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's kind of a thing that I've, had to also come to realize I I've gone through weird phases with drawing and sketching where like when I was a kid I would just 
usually I would like watch something and I would like it and then I would just kind of copy it and I would like come up with right. my own version of it but act as if it was totally my original uh, IP my, my original character do not steal <laughs> but it's great to copy though copying is no I don't think it's a bad thing that's good I think that there's a weird shame about that with a lot of like young artists and it's like no man that's fine like as long as you don't your sketchbook is your sketchbook like as long as you're not claiming that anything is yours, somebody else's stuff is yours, like you're free to copy and trace as much as you want. There's nothing that's stopping you and it's the best way to learn. Right. And I think a lot of us do start that way. But then then I kind of got too polished where like my sketchbooks were like, like I would sign my sketchbook. This is stupid. Oh, that's so interesting. It's so funny. I would, yeah, I would sign my sketchbook pages because I was like making finished pieces and I thought that that's like what you did. But I had to unlearn that behavior. And then now I, I'll go through phases. Like for weeks, I won't sketch at all. And then I'll just like, I'll have an idea that I want to get out. And it's like you were saying, like, I just want to try things. And so my pages are just scribbles. Like it's, it's one character's like head shape or something just over and over again until I figure out how to make it the most like appealing and the most efficient it's it's funny that you talk about signing pages and that you used to do that because i'm like the opposite i would never sign anything and even now it's really it's really hard for me to remember to sign something and often when i sell original art like at conventions or like online like if someone doesn't tell me like can you sign it please yeah. i usually will forget which kind of is i'm sorry i'm sorry if you ever bought art for me and I didn't sign it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't know. It's, it is kind of a weird thing that you're expected to have like a signature because the fact that it's your art already is like, should be a signature enough. Right. But, but I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've talked about your influences. We talked about sort of like how you got your start. You, you have your, you've been doing a, a entry for a manga contest, right? And that's- Right. Fun. That one was crazy because- I actually tried that one out. I, I tried the jump contest the first time when I was in Japan because I had like a, a friend in Japan we, uh, that I was doing language exchange with. So we would meet up once a week, try to speak in Japanese for half an hour and we would try to speak in English for half an hour. And eventually I was like, oh, I love making comics. I love drawing. And it was like, oh, let's, we should try that contest and and we tried it was a lot of work we got nothing out of it <laughs> so when the the opportunity for me to try out all on my own ar arose again I was like oh I should just like try it out let's see like see how much I learned about story and, and making comics there's still like um I only had like like two months I guess to make it, it it's 54 pages I'm really excited about the story that I managed to write because like it's a metaphor for a lot of things that I kind of went through in my life sure. without like going too deep into it. But um, like one of the main themes is like Simon, the main character knows that he's not quite normal and he's trying to overcompensate by being extra normal. Like during the story, he finds out why he's not normal and then he kind of like deals with that. So that's his personal character arc. And then there, he has a friend who has like a, a, a small arc as well. And there's a big fight because uh, it's a shonen manga. So you gotta have a big fight. <laughs> uh, I love shonen. I think for the longest time, I wanted to draw and write shonen stories. I don't know if that's 100% what I want to do anymore. Um, it's a lot of work. It, it's, it, it's a lot of work. It's also just like in terms of tone. 
I'm trying to figure out exactly like what I'm like gravitating towards in terms of stories. I have so many stories, so many ideas and stories that I want to write and tell. I just have to focus and just like really, because it's like, you know, you think about all the ideas, you write your Google doc, it's like 50 pages and you're like, this is great. And then you have to actually make like a pitch Bible out of this. And, and it's so much work because it's like, you have to rewrite the same sentence like a billion times. And yeah. it's like, this is still not right. Uh, how yeah. do I get the feeling of my idea in just like a small paragraph? It's the worst. It's so hard. It, that's Yeah, that's kind of what I'm struggling with right now. But I think it's a good exercise. I think it's really, it's, it's a good exercise to really, really, really understand your idea to the core and be so, you know it so well that you're able to use the minimum amount of words. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, I think the process is a uh, is tough and tiring, but it's really worth it like when you're like done with it. It's like, I did this. <laughs> you and I have both gone through development hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like and uh it it's weird cuz it's like on one hand it's exhausting and horrible and will suck the life out of you, but on the other hand like I I have learned how to like boil down an idea to its base and like when sometimes when people show me their pitch bibles and stuff like I already know how executives are gonna see it mm-hmm. and how what what kind of notes they're gonna have because a lot of the time people will start with a lot of like world building stuff but then they won't they won't flesh out the characters because they think that that is obvious and it's not like it's right. the, it's the hardest thing and and also like yeah executives want an idea that is just like a sentence because they're gonna have to pitch it to their bosses and their bosses are going to have to pitch to their bosses. And so like, right. it's stuff just gets lost along the way. And like the easier it is to understand your idea, the better. So yeah, it is. It's this weird thing where you have to keep rewriting the same stuff. But every time you do, it like gets a little clearer and you figure out what is not important and what is like, yeah, yeah, what is kind of frivolous information. All of the lore building is unnecessary, guys. All of the like, <laughs> this is how the magic, this is how the magic works in my story. This is three pages about the magic. This is the, yeah, yeah, yeah. About the this side character that is barely in the show. And it's like, hey, <laughs> this is not important. And you know what's funny? Because when I actually did try out for, for the Shonen Jump contest, so yeah. one of my favorite uh, mangaka, so also the main reason why I, wanna, I wanted to try out for the Jump contest is that a lot of my heroes are going to be judging on it. So you're going to have Inoue's, oh, yeah. Inoue-san, Oda-san. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? There's also going to be Toriyama, which I'm like, oh my God, please, please look at my pages. I'm If they were to look at my pages, I, I would just like, I don't even have to win. I just want to. Totally. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. And uh, and Inoue said he said try to keep it try to keep a, a setting that is very simple and close to what people know in everyday life. And I was like, this is so smart. This is so smart for even TV shows because it's like the the, the crazier the world, the harder it's gonna be. For your audience to connect with it so like for a fantasy world for example it's easier to keep it closer to just a regular fantasy like fairy tale kind of world because then it's like people kind of like know what to expect uh, and then you can build up on that like throughout the show i guess but like when you're pitching it it's just like 
easier to keep it like so simple or like even if it just starts like I don't know kids going into school and then you can kind of work in the like weird elements into that I guess uh but that's just like my point of view and just something that I thought of I was like ah, that's an interesting thought my master said that so I believe <laughs> yeah 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 what was was Loud House the first job that you the first animation job that you had out of Goblin or did because you did some like freelance stuff right between the two oh uh, so yeah so the so kind of what happened was like after I graduated from Goblin, I so I was 21 when I graduated. I did have like a little bit of a moment when I couldn't find anything and I was so anxious and I was I was at the like I took so many tests, dude. I took so many tests and none of them worked out and it was really hard because everybody in my school like some of them were already working for studios like a lot of them like right out of school like they got hired by a bunch of other studios and I was just like oh what am I doing wrong and um I ended up finding this job offer on this like like dingy little like forum for like a, a show that nobody wanted to work on because the studio that was making it nobody knew about it it was just like an up-and-coming studio and the schedule was crazy and pay was not that great uh for for like compared to another any other french job like like if you like it's it was better paid than retail for example but like for compared to the animation standards it was really not well paid yeah so I was just kind of like, well, this is my, like, I was ready to do anything. I was ready to do, I don't know, like any kind of job that was going to take me. And I got lucky that it was a storyboard job. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot of work because it was, we were given seven minute episodes to board in two weeks and oh we had God. to do the animatic. So we did have to build in the animatic as we were going and we had to, to board to the voice track. And this show I later learned uh, I'm not going to say the name of the show mostly because I don't know. I mean, I guess you can find all this information online, but like we were, we, I later found out that the production budget was 1.5 million okay. for, and we did 106 episodes, 106 episodes. Wow. I know. Right. Isn't that crazy? Seven minutes. And, um, and we did that. We achieved that because we were four board artists. All of us were basically directors because we were roughing storyboarding, doing revisions and doing the animatic and like, like having the voices. So we were doing all that. And we only had one (laughs) supervising animator who was supervising all the animation. We only had one background person because they built the whole set in 3D and she ended up just doing all the captures of um uh of for layouts so all the layouts were done in 3d and we were working with uh, china we, we we had a couple other people in house but it was it was such a skeleton crew we were barely 20 people barely man so you just worked to the bone yeah yeah honestly it was a really tough time because i even remember telling the line producer i was like i don't i don't know how long i can stay on this show I don't know how long I'm going to last. She was like, don't worry. It's okay. Everybody says that. But it was like so shonen. It was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like you're going to get beat up, but you're going to get back up. It was just like so dramatic. But like there was like such camaraderie though. Like everyone, I loved everyone. And all of my friends, like all of the other board artists now, they're all like uh, show running in France, which I'm like, it's it's really, that's that's like also a difficult part of like moving from France to LA because because I was offered to be a co-EP on a show multiple times in France 
And I had to turn it down multiple times because I was like, I got to make it here. I got to make it in LA. But like, it's, it's sometimes it's tough. Cause it's like, well, all my friends were like show running and like in France. And like, I, I had that opportunity, but I had to turn it down. Cause I, I think I have to, to stay here for a little bit. Do you feel like, I mean, that's a loaded question, I guess, but do you feel like it's worth it to stay in LA to try to, cause I mean, obviously you have a life here and like you have a partner and everything. And so like, is it a personal need? Like you just like being in LA or do you feel like you can accomplish more with your, your career in LA? At this I point? think I can accomplish more with my career in LA. I think here it's, it's way more difficult. I could probably pitch shows more easily in France now and get something picked up. But like, if you get a show, oh, I see. if you get a show picked up here in LA, everybody in the world is going to see it. If you get a show picked up in France, yeah, yeah. only a couple countries are going to see it. And that's yeah. the harsh reality of it is that everybody in France knows all of the American content. We all know. That was actually a funny thing. Cause for me, when I was a little kid, like when I was like, 12 and my dad kind of broke out the news that we were going to move to America. I was just right. kind of like America. Okay. Like all I cared about was Japan. Uh, manga. <laughs> right. uh, and I was kind of talking to my friends in, in school and I was like, yeah, apparently we're going to move to um, America. And this kid kind of overheard us. And he was like, Oh yeah, we're in America. And then I said, Los Angeles, California. And he's like, well, I know where, where LA is like, and I was like, I don't know. Like it's the city. <laughs> it's, I guess famous city but like i'm like uh talking about this anecdote because every everyone in france watches american tv yeah there's there is also french tv there is also like french like the equivalent of like telenovela in france (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but like most of the most of the movies if you go to a theater in france it's like it's it's going to be like 80 percent american movies and tv is the same yeah it's it it, it's a lot so i'm like i i if i if i want to make something and i want to make something kind of like bold and daring i think i have to be here that's kind of yeah 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 that's the thing well i i'm kind of hoping that through um through the quarantine and through just like the pandora's box being opened of like everyone's working from home and like clearly we're equipped to do that i'm hoping that it opens up the doors to letting people to hiring people from outside of LA and letting people work from outside of LA it's already kind of happening because so many people are just kind of like bailing and like all right I don't need to be here anymore bye mm-hmm. just going living with somewhere else and so I'm hoping that expands because I don't think it's right that we are all forced to be in this gross nasty like brown city <laughs> that uh that everyone is mean in. it's expensive like it's just it's like not very it's not I think it probably used to be a little more pleasant and it's just not California is pretty great though in the way that you have access to so much like you could so easily go to the beach you could so easily go to the mountain you can hike you can uh I do like that I mean I, I mean, there's a lot of like upsides. There's a lot of downsides as well. But like, I think overall, honestly, I think California is 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 pretty great. Like, you can go skiing, you can go snowboarding if you want. You are way more optimistic about it. I mean, <laughs> I know it, it it is extremely pricey though. But at the same time, okay, I'm gonna I'm everybody listening to this podcast. I'm gonna give you a French trick, French trick, French Ooh, life French. pro French pro tip life thing. Anyhow, like, okay, okay, like, every, so many people are going to hate me, but hey, listen, like, hey, listen, when I was in France, like, going to Starbucks was considered a treat, like, it was something that I could do only for, like, wow, you work really hard, or, like, wow, I'm going to have this nice coffee with my friend, like, like, it's $5 coffee, what, like, you know, like, you don't get, like, a $5 coffee every day, so it's, like, 
in France, like you, you always, um, you make your own coffee, you make your own food. You just like, uh, well, obviously Paris, you can afford not to have a car. Here, I, I don't yeah. own a car because I'm a hippie. I'm, I'm not only just a dirty hippie, but I'm also... Uh, you are a hippie. I, I am a hippie. I, I dress in, at Goodwill. You guys, you don't have to go buy new clothes. You Goodwill is the best. You find so much good stuff. Like, I I barely spend more. There's, other, uh, there's like... Yeah, there's like apps and stuff now too, like Depop, where you can like get uh, used clothing, but it's like, I don't know, it's cheaper. Hey, I get it. When I tell my friends that I buy my shoes at Goodwill, they're like, you're going to get fungus. But hey, you know what? I'd never spend more than uh, 20 bucks on a new pair of shoes. So, <laughs> Hey, I've, you've had some nice kicks before that you got to get. I find the so. best like Nikes. I find so many nice Nikes for like 20 bucks, dude. It's like, I mean, hey, I'm just saying, make your own coffee, shop at Goodwill, and you can afford rent in LA. <laughs> It's probably a lie. Don't listen to me. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, it, I think that like rent is achievable, but to actually like buy a place is yeah. Don't don't buy in California. Pretty much impossible. I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea. I think um, I think we gotta wait a little bit. Maybe. Um, but anyway, that's boring adult shit. Yeah. Um, edit out. <laughs> snore <laughs> boring <laughs> cut out all the boring adult shit um is there anything else you wanted to talk about anything else you wanted to um bring up I, or i think uh, uh, let me try to think if there's like something that i uh, kind of want to talk about i think oh yeah i kind of wanted to talk about how i got my first um la gig because here's the thing like i graduated from goblin i got this first job that was insane then i got another job at another studio where that was the life drawing studio. That was great. After that, every year I would go to the Annecy Festival and every year I would show my portfolio and I would keep looking for new jobs and kind of like putting my name out there until eventually the studio hired me on a show that I think was uh, eventually aired in Canada. And every single show that I worked on, I learned so much. Like I got lucky that all of my uh, head of story slash directors took the time to sit down with me, redline all of my boards. Sometimes there were boards that I would turn in that would come back. 80% of us was like red lines. Only three of my shots were like left intact. But that's how you learn. And uh, I feel like I learned so much on the job. After a couple of these years of uh, working, that's kind of when I thought, well, I got to go to Japan. Like I got to do that like work working holiday thing, because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And at first I wanted to go to Australia because I was like, oh, this is comfortable. Like I can speak in enough English that I could probably kind of like make it work. Then um, yeah. the person I was with at the time, like they were just not really all that jazzed about <laughs> Australia. So I was like, okay, what about Japan? And that was a yeah. So we went to Japan. Mm -hmm. The great thing about me working freelance from Japan, that was actually kind of hard because I didn't know if the studios were going to keep working with me. It was really easy to get the visa because all you have to do is be like, show them your bank account. And they're like, okay, you have enough money. Like you're not going to become a homeless person. Oh, in really? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of like the basic thing. Like, obviously I'm kind of making it more cartoony than it really is, but that's one of the main things that they want to make sure is like, you're not going to, go broke in Japan. I went there and I was able to keep freelancing and I was able to create my own schedule, which was the best because every day from like in the morning, all the mornings were only for me. So I would go, 
I actually managed to sign up to a gym in Japan, which is crazy because <laughs> I had never been to a gym in my entire life. And I was so scared because I was like, I, I was in a really bad physical shape. Like not, not that I was like, not that I looked bad or anything, but like, I was just like, I couldn't do pu- uh, a single push up. Like it was like, I was like always out of breath. Oh like I was God. just like, yeah, it was just like really sad. And I was like, I got to do something. So I subscribed to this gym. <laughs> And it was also so great because the apartment that I was renting at the time, the during the winter, it got so cold. It got so cold and taking a shower was the worst. So I could go to the gym, work out, and then use the nice showers in the gym. That was the best. I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I going to the gym kind of got me hooked on uh, billboard music. <laughs> like, uh, like no, not billboard, but uh, top, top chart, top chart music. Because before that, I was kind of like, I was I kind of like, I'd still like this thing but you kind of like that disease that you get from friends where it's like, oh, anything entertainment related, kind of like top chart music, that's bad. Like, you know, like Coachella music, boo. Yeah. But uh, going to the gym, I was like, I really started enjoying like this, these like, uh, yeah, like the, the songs that get you pumped to go get through the day. And so I would work out and then I would go to a coffee shop and just like draw for myself. And so I was really active on social media. I would post a lot on Tumblr at the time. Yeah, you posted a lot on there. Yeah, I did because I was like, um, and I made those little comics about my daily life in Japan. And that actually first got the attention of a show at Cartoon Network, getting the show, like, uh, and then I boasted about it on Facebook. I was like, Cartoon Network, Burbank wants me to test for one of their shows. Back when that's exciting. Back when that's exciting. And what's his face? Well, I'll just say his name. Chris Savino at the time, he followed me on social media and he followed me on um, Facebook. And when he saw that, he was like, like, oh, snap, like, I wanted you to work on my show. And I was like, well, give me a test. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I was just like, oh, who cares? This is the computer. I'm behind the screen. Give me a test. And he did. And he, he did give, give me a test, which for me was like, wow, I was just bluffing. I didn't think he would actually go uh, forward with that. <laughs> That's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so I tested and I got it. I didn't get the Cartoon Network gig, uh, which is understandable because I don't think I was uh, the right fit, like in terms of writing. I got the Loud House gig and I started working from Japan, which was so great because those are details I should probably not be saying on this podcast. Should I? Should, should we edit it out or something? Like, uh, I was just able to turn in the boards like way faster than... I mean, it's up to you. Yeah. And the good thing about that was that like I could do the work and then I had all this free time and then I could travel. And it was so great because I was just like, I saw so much of Japan thanks to the Loud House. <laughs> I mean, that's great. Like that's the ideal life, right? It's just like... Right. You have a job that doesn't consume you that lets you still do that. That's something that I've like come to appreciate is that it's like hey man work is work and like it's good to be passionate about what you're doing but I there's a lot of artists that just get so like consumed by their job and it's like they don't vacation they never they don't like don't take breaks they don't go anywhere and it's like well you're gonna burn out and not just burn out like you're gonna you're gonna end up hating your yeah and like that's not yeah honestly it's really tough like in france the deadlines are so tough that multiple times actually before i got the loud house gig i was seriously considering dropping out dropping out of animation because i was like that's too much it's too because you're just constantly grinding 
because the pay is not that great and you're just working all the time. The only time that you have left is weekends and, and sometimes not even. And it was just like, I don't know if I can keep doing this because like I was saying, I don't know if I can keep doing this because I'm not working for myself. I'm not drawing for myself. Like I barely have any time to do all that. It was so emotionally taxing because I was like, I, I, I want to draw for myself also. Fortunately, I got the Loud House gig. I moved back to France. Things got a little crazy and I got done a little bit soul searching. And then I actually convinced, because at the time they tried to get me a visa uh, when I was in Japan. They tried to get me the H-1B visa and that didn't go through because the H-1B visa now, it's really hard to get it because there's too many people applying for it. So I just kind of, once again, <laughs> bluffed I guess or like did a poker move and I was like hey Chris uh what if you guys were trying to get me the O visa the O1 visa is more difficult to get because you have to show you have to prove that you're an outstanding it's basically like the Nobel Prize uh visa which is like crazy because when you have when you're an artist you probably have imposter syndrome yep. so I was like I really don't think I'm that good but I have to prove to the American government that I'm an outstanding artist, which is Damn. not the, the best um, spot to be in. But um, I managed to do it. I, I asked a lot of people to help me out and they did. And they wrote really nice letters about me and it ended up working out. And then I uh, moved to LA, got on the Loud House and met all of you guys. Yeah. Loud House was one of the best experience for me. I mean, it was very similar to the way French shows are run. Mm -hmm. So it was really straight to the point. It was like really easy to understand what we were supposed to turn in. Uh, and the scripts were so good. The, the scripts were good. They were like uh, really solid. It's like you read those scripts and you're like, no matter what I turn in as a board artist, it's still going to be a solid episode. And that was such a load off my chest because in France, I, it was very rare for me to get scripts that were like that. There was often like scripts that you had to kind of touch up to, to make work, to kind of understand the character's motivation, yada, yada, yada. So that was, that was so fun working on the Loud House. That was um, a blessing. Yeah, it was a smooth, it was a very smooth production and like long lasting. I mean, shit, I like, we all ended up just leaving because we wanted to do other things and it's still going as of right. this recording. And so it's like, it was a really good first job, first animation job for sure. Yeah. And then I went to Cartoon Network as uh, a Swordboard Supervisor. And then I went on to Thundercats, which was, Thundercats for me was the most fulfilling experience creatively in terms of in terms of, like in the animation industry in the animation industry Thundercats was the most fulfilling experience because as a board artist I could do whatever I wanted which in terms of uh not like I had to follow the script obviously but like in terms of camera and like creativity it was the best yep. like I could just we could just try things because uh, I love that house but obviously in order to kind of keep the show budget and stuff like you did have like technical restrictions which I think is a very smart thing to do when you're running a show but on Thundercats it was just like do whatever you want and that was that's like yeah you're like it, I felt like a child in a candy store like oh really I can do upshots dance shots I can do camera moves <laughs> I can animate camera moves <laughs> as somebody who had to do the backgrounds for your episodes you really liked those fucking upshots and every time hey it was like oh i gotta do three point perspective thanks via lane <laughs> hey i'm just making you work making you better artists it did it did <laughs> make me yeah i mean i i definitely learned how to draw uh three point perspective because of you so ah 
I'm the mentor here. Yeah, you're the, you're the mentor. Um. <laughs> you're you're like scribbles. You're you're bored scribbles. I had to decipher. Yeah, it's true that like I do admit that like sometimes I'm like, wow, those boards that I turned in were pretty rough. But uh, hey, it worked. Yeah, they that was what was expected at the time. Like they that was uh, the nice thing about doing boards. I think on that show too. From what I I didn't I never did boards, but it it seemed like it was. Uh, okay to be a little bit loose it, it was definitely i mean from my perspective it was definitely okay to turn something a little bit loose i know a lot of the board artists turned in boards that were extremely clean and there was a couple times when i was like do i have to do that do i have to do that but like <laughs> i'm telling you like i was just like i just like doing things kind of rough so every time that like i would i'm only going to turn in something extremely clean if like i'm someone asks me yeah i think hey, that's a good yeah this, like clean yeah Cause I'm like, I just, I just like keeping things rough. Oh, one of the really crazy things about moving to LA was like, it was the first time in my life I had to pitch my boards. And that was, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Because at the time when I moved to LA, I was really not confident about my English. Like I, I could definitely speak English, but I had a terrible accent that I still kind of have, but now you can hear it a lot less than at the time. I don't think it was ever that bad, but but I, I, I understand like, yeah, when you- I, I was like, so self-conscious, dude. I was so self-conscious. I was just like, like pitching in front of a room of people and trying to make them laugh. And I'm like, I, and cause like the, the biggest thing for me was like, when you speak French for a long time, French is a very like monotone kind of yes. language. So I would pitch kind of like monotone, not because I wanted to, just because I, I just didn't really know where to put the emphasis on the words or like in the sentence. So and now I feel like I'm like a little bit better able to do yeah. it because I've been here for like five years. And I'm like hanging out with all you guys, all my American friends. Uh, we used to hang out. Nobody, nobody has seen I know, anybody. I know. We FaceTime though. We FaceTime. We talk. Yeah. Um, no, you did great. I, was I there for that first pitch? I must have been. You must have been, but I was dying inside. I was, I was dying inside. Like I was just hollow shell. No, yeah, I think just, you did uh, great. I, I think I remember that. And uh, yeah, you did. Like, I mean, all of you guys were nice that you were just like, that was so funny and great. And I was just like, inside my head, I was like, they're just like, they're just being nice. They're just trying to not show me how much of a disaster I was. <laughs> I would never be nice and you know that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you didn't see it. Yeah, that was really hard. I feel like on Thundercats, I got a lot more confident about pitching. Because I, I, when I was at Cartoon Network, I worked on uh, Craig of the Creek and I saw a lot of pitches. And then after a while, I just kind of saw how people went about it. And just like seeing people doing it a lot, I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be this like crazy show. Uh, like it doesn't have to be. I always thought pitching was like, you had to know how to play music and, and, and be a comedian and basically be like be a great actor and just be able to get all those feelings out of your boards and make people cry and make people laugh. And I was just like, oh my God, how do they do that? I was like, in my head, Americans were like, Americans are all extremely talented geniuses that can do everything. And I was like, I, I can't do any of those things. I can just draw. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I just kind of like came over and I was like, oh, okay. Like there's a couple people like that. Like there's a couple people that can like come into a pitch and like play music. And at the same time as they're playing the guitar, they flood the boards with their toes and they do all the voices. Yes. And I'm just like, whatever, dude. Okay. We get it. You're amazing. I love you. Yeah. But it's like, are their boards any good too? You know? Cause it's like, that's, the boards are great. They can animate too. Okay, so, they, they can do so, they, so they're just they're just geniuses. Great. <laughs> yes, 
There are a couple of those. There's a couple. Um, but it's not the norm, so no. that made me feel better. And then I was just like, I don't know, just hanging out with my friends, just joking around, just kind of getting the flow of the language. And then I was just like, all right, I can just like just do this. And uh, I think being on Thundercats helped me so much because Thundercats, there was a sense of like just I, – it's, it's both like really nice for someone to tell you this and at the same time very daunting because uh, the showrunner would come in and would be like, hey, so you guys ha- are you guys having fun? And it was just like, oh shit, like, I should be having fun. Like, what am I doing? I'm not having enough fun. And it's just like, you know, like, gotta make this funnier. But uh, at the same time, it was like, oh, but yeah, the goal is also to have fun because that's how you're going to make the show funny, yeah. you know, and fun. And they were really nice with, like, with us during the pitches. It's just like, I realized like, oh, I don't, because the showrunner, like, he was able to get it. Like, you could show him drawings that were extremely rough and he knew what you were going for. And that was the best because I did, I could just, it was great because I could just show really rough sequences, really rough ideas. He would get it. And like, if he didn't approve of it, I didn't have to work so hard on it because then we could just cut it right away. Yeah. And that was great. That was my favorite way of working. I learned a lot from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the you were talking about the gestures and like the the uh, life drawing where it's like you want to just like get an idea out quickly and move on and not spend too much time on it and like if it doesn't work then you've wasted so much time but it's exactly like you're wasting everyone's time you're not just wasting your own time you're wasting like production's time you're you're wasting like the showrunner's time it's like you you don't have that many opportunities to check in and kind of uh get notes and get the episode where it needs to be so yeah like i don't know the 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 fastest you i don't know that's my philosophy people might disagree with me on that but like the fastest you can get something out and get some like the your directors or like your showrunner's eyes on it and the fastest it can give you like notes the better you can make it before you have to turn it in for real like shipping it overseas yeah i think so i I don't think anyone would disagree anyone who's been in a pipeline would not disagree with you like that's that's the best way and i think a lot of i've never well i guess i have directed but like yeah it's sometimes it helps to see stuff really rough before you start doing all the polish because it's just like yeah it's like i know you can do it pretty like i want to see just some some uh, rough versions of this just to figure out what yeah what, uh what we're doing with this but anyway cool well uh is there anything else you wanted to discuss or should we should we wrap it up i think we could i think we could wrap it up i, th- I feel like we've kind of gone over everything like yeah I'm trying to think if there's anything else there anything you want to plug plug like uh like uh something that i'm doing right now mm-hmm. uh what am i doing right now i don't know you're drawing yeah i'm drawing this uh, <laughs> i don't know just like uh you guys like if you if you enjoy this podcast talk about it let us know if there's anything that you, else that you want to know you can ask us we're going to start announcing guests really soon uh i'm so excited about the guests that we're gonna get because we have we have some good ones but also like what i'm so excited about with the guests is that they have such different path of life. And that's really what I'm interested in. As soon as we start announcing the guests, please ask questions. If you guys really want to do Twitter prompts, please tweet at us because we were not extremely well organized on this episode and we kind of forgot to ask for prompts. We're still figuring things out. I mean, these two episodes are a trial run for us to figure out like technical issues and um, format. If we keep at it, we'll, we'll tighten up and we'll get better yeah either way if there's like also guests that you guys are like really excited to have come onto this podcast 
ideally people from TV or people that you haven't seen any interviews of, like some, like an artist you're really excited about, but you've never seen them interviewed anywhere. Like that would be, that would be the kind of people that we are interested to interview. Yes. Yeah. We want to, uh, we want to showcase people who don't usually get a chance to talk about how they got to where they are or just like what shapes them and what excites them. Exactly. And I guess, uh, I guess that's it. Cool. And like, yeah, hit that subscribe button. I guess we're <laughs> supposed to say that now. Ring the bell. <laughs> Follow us on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, on all those uh, things. Yeah, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for uh, telling us about your your life and your passions and your uh, your French, <laughs> your French and Japanese escapades. Yes. Cool. Yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.